0: This is the Permaculture Podcast, I'm Scott Mann. Today I'm joined by Robin Mello, a permaculture teacher and designer, as well as the singer, songwriter, and herbalist behind Edenspoor. She spoke with me just a few days before this episode came out, while I'm currently self-isolating and wanting to record some new interviews. I've known Robin for many years, going back to when we first met at a lecture given by Peter Bain in Philadelphia. And as a past guest of the show, we started the conversation before I had a chance to start recording. This episode then begins with us talking about how we're handling and thinking about the state of the world during the spreading COVID 19 pandemic. We then turn to building resilience in community and her work as a longtime permaculture practitioner working on lifestyle design. She shares how early motherhood has changed her perspective on future care and what we need to do to move away from a place of fear as we trust ourselves and one another more deeply we wrap up with a message of our role as permaculture practitioners to create more resilience in our local communities. Enjoy this conversation with Robin, and I'll join you again after. What I've been doing with my friends and family since this really started to ramp up is we've been having conversations about making sure people have food, canceling long-term travel plans, do you have enough food to get you through four weeks, you know, what's your situation with work, how's your financial situation, like these are all the things that I'm so used to, And then from where I used to live, we would lose power and get either flooded in or snowed in for seven to 10 days a year, almost every year. So we were really used to being cut off. But getting to see how that's impacting other people who don't have those kinds of experiences has been something that's really changing my perspective on the conversations that we need to be having to really build this kind of resilience as much as like as permaculture practitioners, we've talked about transition towns and community engagement. I remember Peter Bain used to talk about, you know, do you have some food in your cabinet? Toby Hemingway talked about, it. it's like if you're not actively growing food or good at it, then you need to make sure that you've, you're applying that zone system to your food supply and that that starts in the home and things like that. But I don't know that with how things have been the last couple of years and as people are getting access to community gardens and growing more, that we've had to have those kinds of conversations This just kind of reinforces it. I feel almost a little too late.
1: I mean, I've had thoughts about myself even you know the in terms of like it being too late because I have you know I've I've spent a lot of time and have been designing my life and my systems in such a way that I I'm always looking at the slow the slow and steady growth model right like one project at a time you know get this thing in order then get this thing in order and you know eventually you'll have everything you need right but right. ultimately. You know, I I think that there's a lot of people that are that are like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about doing these things to take care of myself and to take care of my family for years, but I put it off because I need to get a paycheck and I need to continue doing all of these things. And like, you know, the, the hamster wheel that we're all caught up in that takes us away from actual resilience and actual self-reliance or community self-reliance really is what I am most interested in rather than, you know, people thinking that they can actually do it all themselves. But yeah, I mean, the, the place where, where I'm in right now is, is just trying to keep my community, you know, the network that I have access to from panicking and to keep on that kind of slow and steady growth, model of resilience and you know giving people options of like what can you do today to change your actions what can you do tomorrow and I still think that that is valid in the time that we're in right now all of the information that I've been I've been trying to stay up to date on things as well as possible without becoming completely overwhelmed by all of the misinformation but you know a lot of what I've listened to and been reading seems as if this is not going to be going away anytime soon. Uh, it seems as if it may be something that is extreme in the next you know, few months, but this could be kind of a, sh- a real shift in the way that we operate in a lot of ways. So it's a major wake-up call to a lot of people who have been ignoring the infinite numbers of of symbols and messages that I believe we've been getting from the the earth and from the universe for years.
0: And that's where I wonder how these changes may become fundamental to the way that we live within our society. And it's, you know, does air travel really bounce back from this in a meaningful way compared to something like 9/11 and those shutdowns? And, you know, needing to do a little bit of that reading myself to see what was that reaction even though, you know, I was in my early 20s when all that occurred. But was still kind of insulated from a lot of those actions because of where I was working and what I was doing at the time.
1: I think that it remain, it, you know, it will, it always remains to be seen how various groups of people react to disasters. I am someone who usually looks to the environmental and ecological and social on a, kind of a, a broad scale impacts of things rather than the economic impacts of things. And I really, really want to believe that what's going on right now is viewed from an ecological lens by more people than usual. I do do very much see this, you know, this is a product of globalization. This is a product of humans believing that we have dominion over all natural systems and, frankly, playing with fire, you know, playing with systems and situations and ecosystems that we don't understand and trying to control them and also trying to destroy them and, and impede upon them. And, you know, so we're, we're impeding upon other species' livelihoods, if you will, and destroying habitats. And, you know, we're in this climate crisis. And also, we have created these amazing global networks of, well, at this point, disease transmission. (laughs) You know, we've been seeing the, the types of things that globalization can do to our local ecosystems in more and more extreme ways for you know as long as I can remember and you know I'm not I'm not very old I haven't and I haven't been a part of this kind of ecological design world for more than 10 years um you know but it seems to me like since I've been a part of it it just keeps we just keep getting these these feedback loops over and over and over and over again that are telling us like no you're doing it wrong no you're doing it wrong (laughs) no try again and we keep pushing forward instead of doing like a little bit of, doing any amount of reversal of our actions. And, um, you know, like what we're just to take, you know, another example of, of this extreme thing that we're experiencing in our, in our ecosystem, you know, yours and mine is the spotted lanternfly. And, you know, all of these pest insects, these insects that are considered pests that have come in and are completely taking over and destroying our, our forest uh, and our, our food sources. You know, that's that's like one part of this, right? And now we have this this virus that is really putting it in people's faces in a way that they can't ignore. To me, that's a, a really, really, really important message. And But I still think that there are a lot of ways in which this shouldn't be about hysteria. This shouldn't be about panic. This should be about like, oh, wow, yeah, look at where we are right now. What are the things that we can do to change our actions to change our behaviors what are the things we can do within our communities and our home ecosystems to take care of ourselves the earth has given us all of the resources and you know something that I'm extremely excited about right now that I that I feel really fortunate about is that like today is is the first day of spring and all of these medicines that I am currently running out of because I'm sending them out to people all over the region are popping out of the ground, like as we speak. And, and that to me, that gives me chills. I just got chills. Like we have all of the things we need at our disposal. If we just like take a breath, step away from social media, step away from, you know, thinking about what the stock market is going to do step away, maybe for a little bit from national politics, and the election, you know, there, there are so many things that are out of our control right now, but there are things that we can control that are literally popping out of the ground. There are like lessons, there are, there are teachers everywhere around us. That's what I really wanna be a part of uh, is showing people that, it's, that that's actually practical. It's not woo, it's not, you know, it's not like frivolous activity, it's like ancient.
0: I recently interviewed Natalie Bogwalker, and we were talking a lot about these earth skills and the way that that can really ground us in moments like this, just from a social and psychological perspective, to be able to do something that is meaningful and practical in the moment. And I think about how that kind of work right now can bring about a mindfulness that takes us away from that stress. Not that it gives us something that, you know, is an escapist activity, but is something that can add value to our lives while we're going through all of this, while giving us a pause from all the stress and the constant influx of ideas and information that come within this just-in-time world with a 24-hour news cycle.
1: It's really important to stay informed, I don't think that people should be escaping from any sort of scenarios that, that we might be facing right now because we need to be informed about what scientists and policymakers are discovering and pushing through uh, in the government and in the medical system. In this particular, this particular virus scenario that we're in, but I entirely agree that stepping away and taking breaks, you know, sometimes that are days long is also really, really important for our mental health. I think that something that, that I've been thinking about a lot and hearing from other people in my world is just the the mental health effects of what happens to people who need to stay home, who aren't used to staying home. I work from home and I have designed my life in such a way where I do I've done the vast majority of my professional work from home for probably six or seven years now. I am very home bodied and home oriented. So this isn't affecting me in a in a psychological way in in the way that I think it is many, many other people who are used to going to an office every day or who are used to, you know, going to a store to shop every day or, you know, people who are who rely on air travel you know to, to do their work and I feel really very deeply for those people I feel very deeply for their mental states and and I have concern for you know people living in close quarters with one another who also aren't used to doing that if people are in a relationship and they're used to leaving their homes every day and working and then coming home and you know, they only have maybe a few hours a day with their partner or with their family, that's very, very different than, you know, you need to stay home for two weeks and you can't leave your house <laughs> or or arguably longer. I do have concerns about the sorts of things that are going to go on in people's lives psychologically and the things that are going are to go on in, in relationship dynamics. And I have put a huge amount of time and effort into my own community building and my own relationship building and communication growth, I guess, growth in communication in order to make sure that that isn't any part of my reality. And I I think that people are, people are really going to need to resort to, well, not resort to people. I, I just really hope that people understand that they can go outside and they can take walks. And I hope that people learn the incredible value of taking deep breaths when, they feel stress or anger i really hope that people use the internet to look up communication strategies and learn reflective listening techniques and read articles about nonviolent communication and reach out to the proper hotline resources if necessary you know if things really get get out of control in their in their lives You know, I I think that we're going to, we're all going to be many, many people are going to be faced with completely new realities right now. But all of the things are out there, all of the answers and the things that, that we need, I truly believe are out there.
0: As someone who describes themselves as an introverted extrovert, I'm very used to having a lot of time by myself at home. And that's kind of become a space that's been both my workspace and a sanctuary, but much of my socialization occurs outside the home around people and spending time with my children, going to friends' houses, going to events, you know, meeting folks for dinner. And so that kind of a shift, I'm just thankful that I'm used to communicating with people in a lot of different ways through phone calls and text messages and, you know, dropping notes on social media and things like that so that I can still keep a lot of that contact. But that was one of the first mind shift changes that was required when I found out that I would have to self-isolate out of respect for the people around me, was putting together a plan then for what does my life look like for potentially the next two weeks.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great idea.
0: And that's where I just think that when it comes to permaculture as a system of design, we have all of these principles that lead to strategies that help us develop techniques that are the kinds of things that we can be applying in the moment like this. You know, you've talked about creating a life and a lifestyle over the last five, six, seven years about being able to work from home, about building up your community network so that you can still be in touch with people. For you over these past couple of years, as we think about these slow and small solutions moving forward, like what are examples from your life as a long-term serious permaculture practitioner that you feel people can take away in these kinds of moments to develop these kinds of changes where they are, even in the midst of a crisis, whether it's a long-term ongoing pandemic or just a short-term natural disaster?
1: I'm currently trying to frame my answer in a way that is helpful for people who live in all sorts of different, who have all sorts of different living situations. And I'm going to start with my current living situation. And then I want to maybe talk a little bit about like urban scenarios and a little bit more. Some of the things that have been really useful for me have been thinking, you know, most people need human interaction on a daily basis. We are social creatures. And I think that putting yourself in a place in which you are able to be around your most loved humans is very, very important. I have done that. I have done that here in the place, you know, I live, I currently live with, with my partner, but I also live on a block with eight of my other very, very close friends. And within a mile of me, there are, I think there's another, you know, six of us. And that's been very intentional over time is, you know, trying to move into places close to each other in the suburbs near Philadelphia, so we can be near public transportation, near uh, an urban hub. Um, You know, Peter Bain calls that city country fingers (laughs) in his pattern language, which I have learned a lot from, uh, especially recently in revisiting his book. I think about all of the little things on a daily basis that I can improve to reduce waste. I I think that you know, moving away from from social, from the human social sphere, moving towards, you know, ecological, uh, the ecological sphere and also economic is to design everything that you are doing in such a way that you can use every part of everything. You know, finding use from, in in resources uh, that other people consider trash So, you know, on the food side, perhaps that's going to your local grocery store and, you know, making friends with the produce people and seeing if you can figure out a way to to get food donations or, you know, get the, the food before it goes bad, before it goes in the trash. In this sort of scenario where we are right now, as people are kind of hoarding resources, in grocery stores. Uh, I'm hoping that that doesn't continue, but we really don't know. It's really, really important to look up, you know, how to use all of the pieces of all of the things that you're buying from the grocery store. and Maybe get familiar with some new vegetables and fruits that you've never eaten that other people aren't buying. My local grocery stores are, are pretty empty right now. Something that's really great for health in this moment is And always, but especially, you know, right now and in, in the symptoms that that many people are going to start feeling is making bone broth. I have been making craft cuts of, you know, all of the, the bones from the chickens and my pork bones and my beef bones and all of my vegetable scraps that otherwise, you know, we're not consuming onion skins, garlic skins, ends of the sweet potatoes, the ginger skin, you know, all of these things. Stem butts of shiitake mushrooms that are too hard to eat. They all go into this pot and create this amazing broth of, you know, that, that antimicrobial, antibacterial, immune boosting and delicious. <laughs> I think everyone should be consuming bone broth. I think in terms of city living, you know, what are some of the slow steady things that people can do? I really think, that it continues to go back to community and working with your immediate neighbors to figure out how to take control of your immediate environment. The city that I am most familiar with and the area that I'm most familiar with is, is North Philadelphia. And in North Philadelphia, there is so much open space that isn't being used because it's not public. It's private. It's, Fenced in, but it's green space. And in a time like this, we are going to learn, I hope, as people more and more, that the idea of neglected property, you know, someone owning a property and neglecting it and just sitting on it and not actually making use of it means that they probably just shouldn't own it. They shouldn't actually have rights to it. You know, I think that when you're talking about vacant Property in in a major city in the middle of a crisis, or potentially like a you know a national shift in consciousness, which is what what I'm hoping for. You know I think that these spaces need to be made available to people to grow their own food and to be in community and to be outside to preserve their mental health, to learn about the species of plants and animals that are around them, to build soil in a world in which. Our soils are depleted and toxic. I think that it's really, really important that we start thinking about about property in a different way in that regard. And I and I have always thought that. <laughs> I've, I've been feeling feeling that way and saying that for you know ten years now.
0: So if I remember right, when you were still living in Philadelphia, didn't you work on purchasing or gaining access to a piece of abandoned property near where you lived?
1: I was a part of doing policy work with the Philadelphia Land Bank for a few years and the city of Philadelphia has put a lot of effort into trying to figure out what properties belong to who and how, you know, who's up on their taxes and what needs to be put back into, you know, public hands or, you know, city owned, city controlled hands. And that there are a a ton of urban gardeners and housing advocates and, you know, social justice Workers who have been doing a lot of work with the city government, various agencies, to figure out how to make best use of all of the vacant properties, the vacant land, the vacant land, and the vacant houses in Philadelphia. Yeah, and I had a a fair amount to do with a lot of that work. I Learned a lot, and and you know tried to be an advocate for years.
0: So we've touched on like kind of the current mindset and some of the things that you've done to get where you are today. And of course, in addition to that work on policy with the land bank, I've got earlier interviews with you that I can link to for people who want to hear from like the Philadelphia Roundtable that we recorded several years ago about that one-on-one interview that photographer John and I came to your house when you were still in Philly and recorded so that people can learn more about where you come from. But what other kind of work are you engaged in right now on the ground with where you are? It sounds like you've been doing you know, a lot of lifestyle design. I know you're doing a lot of education as well, including here in central Pennsylvania with some of our shared friends, Ben Weiss, Wilson Alvarez, and others. What does your world of permaculture look like now that you've been doing this for a while? And where are you really finding your niche in this community?
1: It's a great question. I feel as if I am always doing a lot. And one of the things that also feels really great about that and, and, you know, the life design that I keep alluding to is that I am always very busy, but everything I do also really feels beneficial to, to the whole of my life and my community. Uh, And I, and I get, I get feedback about that in various ways all the time. So some of the things I guess from, you know, kind of a micro to a macro in my life that I'm working on. One of the biggest things is that I'm a new mom. I have an eight month old daughter and motherhood is unbelievable and also takes an extreme amount of time. Anyone will tell you that. (laughs) Having a child and, you know, going through pregnancy and now going through early motherhood has put everything in in a perspective of just how important every action I take actually is, not just for the immediate day-to-day, but for our future, for my daughter's future, for the future of all children and grandchildren. You know, it really has hit this new, you know, future care, earth care, people care fair share of future care are just constantly, you know, rolling around in my head. And and a lot of that is because of this life that I am 100% responsible for and, you know, seeing life through her eyes and also, you know, trying to be the best possible role model and someone who can leave a much better future for her and her generation. So that is kind of like painting or or coloring all of the things that I'm doing otherwise. And In my little community that I have here in suburban South Jersey, we as a a group of currently eight people are sharing chickens. We have 13 laying hens and we share responsibilities in caring for them. We share responsibilities in, in paying for their care and paying for the coop that we constructed as much as possible out of repurpose materials. That's been like a really great experiment for what sorts of things could we do in the future to share costs and share resources and, you know, dole out essentially responsibilities that that we all need in order to live, you know, healthier, happier, more ecologically friendly lives. I feel like most things that I do in my my day-to-day are things that I could teach other people about, and that I often do teach other people about in my permaculture courses, in my social media presence, in my, uh, you know, one-off subject workshops, composting, how to keep a good compost pile, how to construct and care adequately for a composting toilet system, you know, how to transform urban soils or my current, you know, super sandy South Jersey pine barren soil into fertile soil for growing fruits and vegetables? What types of weeds are growing in my space that are beneficial to me or the non-human creatures in my surroundings? You know, these are things that go, like I said earlier, food waste, how to minimize food waste is something that, you know, is just consistently rolling around in my head and in my daily actions and the, the kind of circuits that I take throughout my day. You asked the question about my, my niche and I've been thinking really deeply about that word recently because my macro life is in a place where currently I'm trying to figure out how to move a lot of my professional life onto the internet. I've, I've spent most of my life trying to do things in person, trying to do a lot of, you know, I do a lot of traveling to get to people to teach them in person and to do live demonstrations. And having a daughter now and and being here with her so much, I've really wanted to try to design uh, a website and online teaching and, you know, YouTube channel and have an online store for all of my herbal medicines and all of that. As a result of that, I have been diving pretty deeply into a lovely online community simply called Permaculture Women that I feel somewhat silly that I didn't know about until just a few months ago. But the Permaculture Women online community and the, I guess, the woman who kind of started that ball rolling and who has been keeping it up, uh, Heather Joe Flores, is one of the more, It's possibly the most supportive online community I have ever seen. It has restored my hope in humanity as far as the internet and social media are concerned. And I have been learning and, you know, connecting with women in permaculture all over the world for just a couple of months. And it's opened up opportunities that I have wanted, you know, that I, that I have been saying I want, and, you know, lo and behold, Ask and you shall receive. I've been a part of a, of a beta class with this permaculture women guild about finding your niche and specifically about finding your your web niche, your online presence niche for website design conversation. And uh, I've been diving really deep into the back end and the front end and the content creation of what feels really, really important to get out to the world right now uh, that that other people don't seem to be doing. So all of that being said, my niche has been revealing itself in this, what I keep alluding to saying, you know, slow and steady. <laughs> this slow and steady build, the slow and steady resilience is something that I have really, really been meditating on and I think that it is something that I really need to move forward with in terms of teaching teaching people how to build their own slow and st- steady resilience through the examples that I have the things that I've done in in the past decade of my life to get to the place where I am now which is you know arguably con- consistently living my dream my dream reality so that slow and steady resilience is something I'm going to be building on and This health crisis, arguably much more than a health crisis that we are going through right now, has really opened up my eyes to my niche as a community healer. You know, I don't use this word lightly, but as a community witch, I have in the last few days received so many requests from people. So many questions from people who are like, hey, you know about plants, you know about mushrooms, you know about body systems, help me, (laughs) like, what do I need? Tell me whatever herbs you possibly can, can throw at me, you know, teach me about how I can protect my respiratory system, teach me about how I can stop having panic attacks, teach me about how I can protect my 85 year old mother from this disaster, all sorts of questions that I have, you know, as an herbalist, you know, I consider myself an herbalist, but I have been very careful about putting myself out there as one, because I feel that there are a lot of people out there who, who I feel, you know, can do it better. I've been realizing for, for a while now and especially the last few days that I do have the answers. I know all this stuff. I, I know the plants and the mushrooms, that I work with very intimately. I've been consuming them and making medicine with them and communing with them and visiting them and growing them and stewarding their wild spaces for years. And I believe that this is a time in which people are going to be awakened to their value. And in my community, in my little eco region, I have the medicines that people need. I think that there are community witches all over this nation that are going to come out of the woodwork that also know their plants and their mushrooms in their eco regions and have been stewarding and consuming and communing with and growing the things that their communities and their eco regions need. And that is so powerful. It's a power and a responsibility that I feel very, very strongly is necessary in having integrity and and moving forward with with sharing that knowledge in a way in which people can heal themselves and be a little bit more aware of, yeah, taking care of themselves and their immediate surroundings and their immediate communities.
0: It's interesting that you use that language because it's something that I've been revisiting recently and thinking about how in so many communities we have these guides and stewards. We have... All of these wizards and witches and wise women who have this knowledge of the land, of our foragers and our herbalists and our storytellers, and these members of our community that are really integral to our overall health, both from the lessons that they can teach us about who we are as people, as well as those moments of medicine and immediate care that I just, I think has been missing from part of that conversation is looking for those people and recognizing them, that there's more to the world that we live in than just one particular specialty that our niche can be very broad and touch on many things to be this more well-rounded human being that has knowledge that is valuable to the people around them. And I think just, you know, looking for those people and also tapping into that meaning within ourselves about those things that we can share with others to draw the best out of them and in return, see that reflected in ourselves.
1: What I hope in this time is that every person takes some time to really sit with themselves and think about, thinks about the person that they really want to be what are the roles that we play in our communities? What are the roles that we don't play, but we really wish we could play and that we feel very strongly about? I think that everyone has innate power and innate capabilities that those around them do not have that are complementary. And we have forgotten that. We have many, many people have given all of their power away and when we are faced with a crisis situation many people start feeling really really badly for themselves because of the things that they are that they haven't done or the things that they're not doing and i think that rather than having that mindset this is a time for people to wake up from that sort of self-doubt and step into their power, step into their roles in community to take care of themselves and their families and their communities and this planet that is like screaming at us, (laughs) like loudly, so loudly. And yet we're still not hearing it because we're, we're afraid. I've been listening to this book called Sapiens and I haven't finished it yet, so I, I don't have like an overall feel on the entirety. But something that I've been thinking about that, I, that is in the beginning of the book is that humans as a species evolved originally as a species in the middle of the food chain. And over time, as we have evolved, you know, bigger brains and created all of these tools and weapons and technology to put ourselves at the top of the food chain, we no longer have any, you know, megafauna predators in the same way, you know, that, that we used to, but our brains and our what I you know I believe are like nervous systems have not evolved past being in the middle of the food chain. So I'm interpreting all of this to be that we are this, we are predator species that thinks that we're in the middle of the food chain. And we think that we are always potential prey. We are always afraid. We are always thinking that something is going to be coming around the corner that's going to eat us or kill our families or steal all of our stuff. And I think that that's not particularly, or, or maybe I should say that has not been the reality except, you know, in a self-imposed human-to-human kind of way. And I think that we're in a, in a place right now where if that continues to take over, as it has, you know, we're going to keep running ourselves into the ground. And this is, this is a time where, you know, people have been saying it for a really long time, that, you know, we have to get it right, we have to get it right. But if we, I really believe that if we don't stop acting fully, influenced by fear and anxiety and scarcity, if we don't stop doing that, we are not going to last as a species on this planet very much longer. And that feels extremely important. We need, as a species, we need to understand that the things that we put our energy into and the thoughts that we project into the world, the words that we project, the actions that we project, become reality. And if we can shift our mindsets, truly, like I know that this is getting into like a woo area and I want very, very much for it to be taken seriously because I, I see it all around me. I've, I've, been, I've been watching this for as long as I can remember and, and I think other people can, can agree. We are creating this horror show 100%. But I believe that as a species, we absolutely have the ability to move towards positive solutions-based dream scenarios in which we actually care for each other and care for the planet and make use of all the resources that are at our disposal, and we turn this around. I really, really think we can do it. And that's, you know, that is permaculture language. I am a permaculture designer because I, that, that is my mindset, and permaculture has just been the best possible you know, professional language that I've been able to find.
0: Well, And it's going through, as I came to permaculture during the Y2K period, and disaster preparedness, then going through it in... The early two thousands and building kind of like my cohort of friends around me as a support structure, I kept coming back to permaculture because it was the one thing that made sense. It was laid out in a way that was ordered and structured and was directly applicable. That once some of those basic ideas of, you know, having some food and water on hand, having some plans for what would happen if I needed to shelter in place for three days or a week or I needed to, you know, get to someplace safe because of a disaster of some kind, that it was, what are these bigger ways that we can create something really meaningful within our community? And this is just the space that I kept getting drawn back to. And I think that there's still a lot of places for us to explore as practitioners that we're still only just beginning to have these conversations.
1: Yeah. I think that this is a time, It arguably it has been the time, but this is a time right now where people who are ecological systems thinkers need to continue coming out of the woodwork and like shouting at the top of our lungs. <laughs> I think a lot of times I have, I, some people might perceive that I'm the type of person who shouts at the top of my lungs all the time, but, but I don't actually feel that way. I think that a lot of times I don't, uh, I don't value my opinions and my thoughts enough. And a lot of times I do stay silent when I see and hear things that I disagree with and I don't think that this is a time for that anymore. You know, I think that there are a lot of pretty serious injustices that are already taking place in this, in this pandemic, injustices that were already there that are, that are just going to continue and continue compounding that we have to be really vigilant about, you know, in addition to all the things that we need to do to just survive on a day to day. I think that the way that we, The way that permaculture designers and ecological designers and systems thinkers operate, the way that we see the world is really important to convey to others. Well,
0: Robin, I've always enjoyed the time that we've been able to spend together in conversation and the handful of times we've hung out in person and your perspective on the world and permaculture. Though I'd love to end with what you just shared with us, I, of course, always like to give a moment for reflection and final thoughts. So is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners before we draw this to a close?
1: Thanks, Scott. I've really enjoyed this conversation as well and the opportunity as it presented itself. I'm really, really appreciative of being able to get my thoughts out there in this in this manner. I think that one of the things I want to end with and and perhaps reiterate from earlier in the conversation is the importance of our communities, our immediate communities right now. I think that this is a beautiful time in which we can begin exploring actively what local economics look like, sharing our resources, sharing our abundance with those people who are closest to us, I think is going to illuminate and change a lot of people's mindsets. And I I also think in that same vein that we have all of the abundance we need right around us and all of the power that we need to survive and thrive is all right around us and within us. And we've created this globalized world, this globalized society, and we have forgotten The things that are literally staring us in the face when we put our screens away, walking away from our screens, walking away from our reliance on big corporations and big government and these things that are, that I am seeing are capable of collapse with a sneeze and a cough in their general direction is showing us just how important it is to actually see what's right in front of us and that we have, we have it all here.
0: Right here, right now is the abundance that's needed to live a rich filling and abundant life.
1: Yeah. And I think that if there are people around us who, who do not have abundance, there are a lot of people right now that are in need. There are a lot of people always that are in need, but I believe that our communities as a whole have the ability have the ability to share so that others are not in need.
0: Which goes back to what you were saying earlier about overcoming that feeling of fear and panic and being able to operate from a place where we can be calm and active in the world rather than having to react to it. Exactly. Thank you, Robin, so much for taking this time and the short call for an interview. Since I'm shut in currently and having this conversation, I really appreciate it. And just for you being a voice here in the world and having such a beautiful perspective on what we can do to make a difference for ourselves, our community, and the world around us. So thank you for joining me today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Scott. I hope that you take care of yourself and that you're able to get out of the house really soon.
0: That was Robin Mello. You can find her at edenspore.com, and I've included links to that site, as well as her email address, Facebook page, Instagram, Bandcamp, and new blog in the resource section of the show notes. Also check out her Etsy page, where you can find her herbal remedies and more. Today, I'm going to forgo the usual lessons learned recap for the episode and say this. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how hard it will be, but we're going to make it through this. Working together, we can make that even easier. So whatever you're going through, leave a comment in the show notes to share with the podcast community, so we can help you. You can also let me know what you're experiencing, and I'll do what I can. Email show at thepermaculturepodcast.com or write The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. Whatever we face in the world, we can find strength together while taking care of Earth, ourselves, and each other.